Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. Swings here and he drives one deep into center. Puig is racing back, still going back. He looks up, it's gone! Over the center field wall for Hunter Pence. Pence will touch them all and score them all. A grand slam for Hunter Pence. It's not easy when it's tough. That's when you find out what you're made of. You get so much Brisbee in your ears if you want it. If you want Brisbee, oh gosh, you get it. Anybody want coffee? I'm making coffee. Anybody want? Yes! 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 I'm a frequent coffee drinker. I'm part of the club. I have a card. You're listening to The Baseball Barista with Hunter Pence and Grant Brisby on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 16 of The Baseball Barista with Hunter Pence and Grant Brisby show presented by Topps. Check out Topps Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. Hunter Pence is in Denver right now. We, you know, we always talk a little bit before we, we actually start recording, and I can tell that you are fired up. You have had experiences. You have been living your best life. How are you doing, Hunter? I'm alive. I'm surviving. I mean, I'm drinking coffee, so that's good, but it has been so fun here in Denver. I'm sure by the time y'all hear this, the All-Star Game will have happened, but the Home Run Derby was insane. Grant, it was one of the best sporting events I've ever been to, and one of the most fun times. They put on such a good show, and every it was just absolutely a blast. Are you on the field during this? Are you you run around and you you on the field? So I was on the field for BP, for batting practice, and uh, that was really cool. The T-Bobble 5G home run derby batting practice, and we were getting like the the Super HD cam and got to just talk to, you know, see Crawford, see a lot of the great baseball players, talk to some people I've competed against for a long time and not really talked to that much. And it was interesting being like the interviewer of them and like it was super cool to talk to like Zach Wheeler and Max Scherzer and, and, and get to ask them questions as like a hitter that's like gone up and competed against them and like things that I've really respected from their game and pull it out of them for like fans to see that I don't hear many people ask. So like talking about Max Scherzer, who's one of the best in the world and getting to ask him like, look, when you give it up, you don't ever quit. And like, you don't ever change your body language. This is one of the hardest things to do. And so I just wanted to kind of 
of like shine that light because everyone's like, yeah, Max Scherzer, he's always dominating. But look who he is when, when things are going tough. And this dude is still a beast. And so like that's like, to me, those are some of the things that I think are part of the lessons in baseball that teach you mastery of life. So anyway, it was just like, Beyond just the spectacular being on the on the field for All-Star and Home Run Derby and talking to the greatest minds, it's just like everything was so cool. And the Derby itself, I mean, it's so unique in baseball because baseball is a sport of like a buildup. And uh, I always liken it to a progressive jackpot. Like it just it builds, it builds and builds. And then the excitement just spills out like a million quarters at a casino. But with the Home Run Derby, it's a real steady. It's almost hard to keep up with. It's just dinger and dinger. And, and you're like the second you're trying to process a 480 foot home run, there's a 490 foot home run. It's so like intense. It's just this concentrated baseball experience. It's such a blast to watch these hitters at the top of their game just do like this. It's not perfection, but it's not that far off. Like it's just they're doing their thing and they're doing it over and over and over again. All right. So I have so many things to say to this, Grant. And so my view for the Home Run Derby was like in like a second level. Like I was kind of like in one of those, the T-Mobile suite, which was super awesome for them to like set me up. So I had like this amazing view. But the show that they're putting on now you know, I, I love the, the way that they've changed it. So there's DJ, there's music, every player's like picking their song. So there's a vibe as every hitter comes up, right? And they have everything on the on the scoreboard. We kind of end the thing, everyone like picked for pride, their, their person they were rooting for. So we're all like high-fiving. And you're just watching the clock and watching the homers and every single level of the home run derby is like a competition. So it's one-on-one, -on -one. it's a bracket thing. The way that they've done it, they're putting on such a good show because it's like, you're feeling the music, you're feeling, and there was so much hype for this home run derby it's the most hyped home run derby i've ever like everyone's buzzing around the city of buzzing around baseball shohei otani is the all-star game show like he is the show of the first half he's made history he's hitting the ball so far he's leading in home runs oh by the way he's also maybe one of the best pitchers as well and so everyone's talking about the shohei otani you know coming that's exciting we're in colorado no humidor ball and just in BP, he like almost leaves the stadium. This is what I was asking every person. I was like, are we leaving the stadium tonight? So like, <laughs> I remember I was like talking with Lauren and, and we were just like covering the whole thing and like my back was to it. And you just hear the whole crowd stand up and like, oh, this is just BP. And I turned around and I still have time to see the ball hit the like top third deck, almost leaving the stadium. So, I mean, that being said, it's not just like, how far did that one go? How far did that one go? You're feeling the music. You're watching like, how many home runs can they hit in a row? You know, when they get in the zone, like there was just so many things that were just better than just who won. And yeah, Pete Alonso won and that was great. But there was the battle between Otani and Soto. There was the Trey Mancini in the last round catching like eight homers in a row and just the, everyone getting up and giving him a, an applause and like what he stands for and what he did to overcome cancer. So it was just like one of the coolest, most special days and just the most ultimate show they put on all of them. And it was great. It was just great. I am a curmudgeon. I am a baseball fan who doesn't like a lot of change. So when they changed the format years ago to do this kind of head to head bracket thing, you know, there's that knee jerk response. Uh, yeah, okay, you know, changing it for the sake of change. And it took me about, I don't know, five minutes after the first, you know, new format started to go, 
Okay, I get it. I get it a ton. You know, it's because you would have in the past, you would have guys like Josh Hamilton who are putting on this just show in the first round and then they're getting tired and it's, you know, and then someone else wins. Like at the very end, it's like, you know, he puts the show on, but then someone else is able to, to kind of sneak up. So I like the new format, the head to head. Even if you don't win, it's like you can have that round. You can have that, you know, that Otani Soto battle. You can have, you know, this head to head just for one round you're not thinking about champion. You're just thinking about what's going to happen in this round. And I love that. It keeps every round exciting. Like the first round, Olsen versus Mancini. Olsen hits one with like, like you're like watching the clock go down and you know the numbers and everyone's like, oh, oh, oh. And he hits one. I don't, I, don't, I thought he tied it. I'm not even sure if it was fair or foul or if it was too late. I don't know why he didn't tie it, but I, we thought he tied it. And so it's exciting and entertaining from start to finish. The biggest part of the whole show was definitely the Otani Soto battle. And like, here's my thing. And this was like part of the fun of talking the home run derby. And I know it's like super hype right now and the all-star game is going to happen. There's going to be more stuff by the time you hear this, but people were like kind of freaking out with Otani hitting all these like low liners down the right field line to start. What we were saying is that Otani hasn't hit BP all year. He's locked into game speed and there's a little bit difference in the swings. And there's a lot of great hitters that don't like to hit BP very often because a lot of times a home run in BP is a foul ball in the game because you click the speed up and now no longer did you like hit this home run. So like Barry Bonds would always say, hit a line drive, a low line drive through the shortstop in the second baseman. Because as soon as the game speeds up, you hit this low line driver, this hard low ball, amp up the velocity and that's your homer you want to see a lot of the best home run hitters are hitting really low hard line drives. And so all those balls Otani were hitting, that's like a swing set for the game. That's going to, you click the speed up and that's a homer. And then he found kind of his BP rhythm as it got going. Do you think that there is an advantage to someone like Alonzo who's been there before, who knows, you know, the speed of the of the rounds and, and the timing of the derby specifically? You know, it's not regular BP. There's something different to it. Do you think there's an advantage to someone like Alonzo who's been there before? I'm going to say no, because like Alonzo did it as a rookie and won it. Right. But I do think that he came in way more prepared and I loved his strategy. He was dancing. He was relaxed. Like he was like keeping it very smooth. Right. Like because a lot of times when you tense up and you pressure. So it was like keeping him in the moment. And it's super weird. But BP homers is a lot about like the more loose you are, the farther it goes. And like sometimes you'll hit one like not trying to do that much. And you're like, oh, I didn't even try. Let me try to hit this next one. And you'll muscle up and it'll just be like a rollover or whatever the case. So a lot of times the adrenaline works against you. Like you have to like stay relaxed, stay loose. It feels like Pete Alonso was built for home run derby because he's like launching balls so effortlessly so far and he put on a tremendous show. Like he hit 35 homers in the first round, which was the most in any round. And nobody else had hit like, like I think 22, 23 was the most. Salvador Perez hit 28. It was sad because he put on a show and what Alonso just did like kind of completely shut off how many homers he hit. That was the second most in a round ever. And Salvi was just one and done. Nobody's talking about him. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, With Alonzo, it just feels like he's like the walking Kermit meme. Like he's just sipping tea, you know, like he's just out there. He's just, he's just calm. Like you feel like you could ask him like a question about taxes or something. Be like, oh yeah, actually, well, it's not like he's caught up in the moment. And it also, we're actually going to have him on the baseball barista soon. So we get to ask him all sorts of questions. I feel like he's built for that. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no, it, it, it seems like he's built for it. It seems like he's got the right mentality. Everyone's picking up on, at least on the internet, uh, the pitcher, Dave Jouse, the the Mets bench coach, like he's a secret weapon because 
it just felt like they did a, a, an overlay of the pitches and where they were, and they were like center cut every single one. And, the, you know, Otani was getting some, you know, he's getting some on the outside edges and stuff like that. How important is the pitcher in this whole calculus? Like, is it an important factor? The pitcher is a very important pa- factor. And I think a lot of times people take like their, their high school coach or their college coach, but it, if you have a BP pitcher that you hit off of every day, like that's and like there's going to be a lot of like there's a lot of nerves and emotion that comes into like jumping into this the energy of a home run derby and an all-star game you know someone that's not out there every day so there is something to that but like you know i mean he also drilled him in the finals right he got hit by a pitch during the home run derby just <laughs> boom tell me the next one but he makes it look so easy and, and this is the other thing that i didn't get to say is that i'm not sure if they showed this on tv or not but they brought in two high school kids huge high school kids these dudes are man childs and they're taking huge hacks and they have like power to hit it super far but you can tell and it's super cool that they bring the high school kids and we're probably going to see them in the future and but you can tell the magnificence and the mastery of watching the best in the world hit there's a big difference not necessarily strength and power but there's a big difference in the movements and the mannerisms of the best in the world and it makes you realize that they're lulling you to sleep at how easy it looks and how masterful they are they do it so good there's like this, this very beautiful difference in the swings of the major leaguers at these all-stars all right first off pick the year when you think you would have just done the best in the home run derby if you could go back and say i'm in the 2000 blank home run derby i'm in this year and this is the the guy i'm taking to pitch to me i always promised my childhood hero friend cousin uncle i guess i would call him more of the uncle that I grew up in his batting cage. He gave me a glove when I couldn't really afford one. He helped me through like high school, college. I just lived in his batting cage. He threw to me all the time coming up. His name's Chris Gay. And we did a home run derby every single off season and like would lock it in. He was like lefty BP, could pump it down the middle. And he pitched in double A, just like command was his thing. So like, I was always like, yeah, 100%. I'm sad that I never got to do that because we always talked about it and I got really close in Minnesota. But the, I honestly think the year that would have been my best was 2019 with the Rangers when I went and switched my swing. My BPs when I learned that new swing was just homer, 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 homer. All the other times when I was like probably a way better athlete, I could hit the ball really far, but I don't think I was as consistent. But I did have the endurance for this new, if it was the 10 outs, probably not that good. But if it was the endurance thing, I think I, I was built for that. Okay, now I want to see Barry Bonds in a home run derby like yesterday i want to see today i want to see like a retired players home run derby is that something that's just in the fans brain and that it wouldn't work logistically or would there be some value in having some players after their career you know start taking some hacks so you, so you can still get it up there i mean it's always fun like i remember seeing someone was showing a video of gary sheffield with like a cigar just cranking homers and <laughs> there's like a lot of these old timers can still hit hit it so far the thing with you know, it's not that they can't do it anymore. It's that they can't do it every day. And, the, you know, the running and the agility. This is like, you see Nelson Cruz just, you know, doing his thing. And, like, I'm sure I'd like to see Julio Franco. I think I think that yes. that would definitely still be entertaining, 100%. I think a lot of these old-timers are going to hit the ball extraordinarily far. They have the power. I think it's entertaining. I think it would be cool. I don't know if I – I wouldn't put myself up against some of them. I'm, I'm taking Gary Sheffield or Barry Bonds. Bonds swing, he's hopped in the cage when I was with the Giants, is still money. It's really sweet. and when you see it, you go right back to when you were a kid. I mean, you're like, man, that's just natural. That's just crazy how how nice his hands are and how beautiful that swing path is. Maybe this is a little bit too nerdy of a question, but 
in the modern game, everyone is so hyper aware of their swing, their swing path, the data that everyone has on their individual swing and, and their ability to tailor it for, you know, contact for launch angle. Do you think that it's just this sort of data driven analysis helps the home run derby because everyone that's coming up there has a really clear idea of what they're trying to do, maybe compared to, I don't know, you know 10, 20 years ago? I don't know. Uh, to be honest, I don't know. Because if you're locked in and you're just good and you can find a way to hit homers, you can find a way to hit homers. I'm pretty sure that Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire and these guys are going to, uh, they're going to hit homers. Like it doesn't matter the technology, like they're going to put on a show and imagine, you know, either of those guys going for three minutes, how many homers they would have hit. You know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is another one that's just like, the show that he put on last year was insane. It helped me per se because I just was like, like, look at my swing. I was known for a weird swing. I didn't, you know, when actually getting a little bit of mechanics in there and like doing some things properly. I think, you know, the thing that gave me success was like, I was fast, I was strong. Uh, you know, I had like a very, very high energy and very, like very good, I guess, endurance. So like my success in the game was good hand-eye coordination and a good athlete. And when I finally learned the techniques, it definitely helped me. But I think most players are, Pretty advanced with all that or have it natural like adrian beltre and mike trout are who they like kind of like modeled this whole swing technology after some of the ones that do it great without even knowing they're doing it ah that's a good way to put it that's a good way to put it yeah like adrian beltre wasn't sitting there you know analyzing it in, in 4k hyper definition technology he was just adrian beltre he figured it out naturally and like adrian beltre's swing was like almost to a t perfect with exactly what you're trying to do I'm pretty sure it was just natural. Like he did it. His swing like is so money. And like he's a guy that doesn't get as much talk as like how good he was because 3,000 hits, like just so many just amazing, incredible things. He did it for so long. And I really love his swing. And not too many people really talk about how beautiful and how good and how consistent he was. When I think of Adrian Beltre, I think of consistency. I think of a lot of different things. I think of how funny he was and, you know, just how, you know, the, the games he would play with, with Andrus and stuff out there. But I, I never thought to really study that swing. I'm going to go back and do that. That's like a, you know, it's like Will Clark. You know, you just know the perfect swings like Albert Pujols. You know the swings in your head. But I never thought about Beltre. So that's a good one to have. Yeah, Beltre has one of the best as far as like planing out and being through the zone for a long time. And like when you learn it, a lot of times you're like going down to your back knee and stuff, kind of kind of like Beltre. That's just like the ball being lower and you want to get your lower half lower. But his barrel is through the zone and he's like so tight to his body. It's incredible. That's one of the things when you, Twitter started to become a thing and, and a lot of baseball fans connected on Twitter, he was one of the first guys to go viral regularly because he would hit those home runs where it, it seemed like it was a mistake, like he's down on one knee, but you're saying that that's part of like the process, that that's, you know, it, what happens when you have a swing like that. Getting down lower with that leg just allows you to keep your weight behind a very low pitch. So that just means that the pitch is like maybe like a curveball or something that he's trying to get, keep his his power behind it and get down there and drive through it. So you're going to hit a lot of homers with that because you're keeping all of your backside into the baseball. You know, we're talking about a natural You never see talent. him do that on a high pitch. <laughs> it's always the <laughs> that, Well, I would love to see that now. I'd actually pay to see that. But, I mean, if we're talking about a natural talent uh, in Beltre, let's talk about, you know, Alonzo's going to get a lot of love. Otani's going to get a lot of love in these uh, post-derby discussions. Juan Soto is so amazing in so many different ways. Right now, we're, we're recording this during the third day of the MLB draft. There are going to be 100 kids drafted today who are his age. You know, he's 22 years old. And he seems 
technically sound. He seems like you know about the eye, you know about, you know, his his joie de vivre where he's just you staring the picture down. Like, you know, a lot of things about what makes him good. You forget about the raw power. And he's he's a big dude. He's 6'2", but he, it's not like he's Aaron Judge. He's not coming up there and looking like he can bench press a bus. He just seems technically proficient at like everything he does at a wicked young age. I think he's one of the most talented players ever to play this game, obviously, like for what he's doing at his age, but I don't think that his swing is exactly where he wants it right now. I think that there's way more in the tank for Soto. I've seen his swing better than it is right now, just because I know how the ceiling of Soto, and I don't think his swing is exactly where he wants it right now. I thought he was like one of the favorites is, you know, to win the whole thing. And I'm not saying this like Soto swing is off or anything, because it's definitely still really good, but I think his hand-eye coordination, his athleticism, his skills, I think that there's more in the tank for his swing. I don't think that it's a perfectly mechanically sound just yet right now. Like, I don't think he's far off, but I think there's way, there's more in the tank. Like, like I think Tatis Jr. is, is getting more out of his body with his, with his swing right now than Soto is. Soto has more in the tank. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was a little bit off, and he has dialed it in. So, like, if you look at, like, there's another one that's, like, his swing this first half, a lot of his homers have been the exact, like, think of, like, Manny Ramirez and, that, and, you, and like, that bat angle coming through and up. Vladdy is in the zone right now. I don't think that he would disagree with you. Uh, just because you have his rookie year, he's slugging 517. Second year, 548. Last year, he's just going bananas, almost slugging 700. This year, he's at 445. So it's like he's still a very good player. He's an all-star. He's doing great things as, as a 22-year-old. He's doing remarkable things for his age that should be talked about more. He should be more of a face of baseball. He's still not just dominating and pumping the home runs like, like he's capable of. And how scary is that for me to tell you, this guy's an all-star. He's competing in the home run derby. And by the way, he's off right now. <laughs> he's going to get it right. Like, I'm not a guy that's here to, to spew negativity. I'm here. This is actually, I'm saying this in a positive way. Like, when he gets it right, there's no stopping him. If he took this half and just repeated it, you know, 22 times and, and had 11 seasons like this first half, he's in the Hall of Fame. He's performing at an all-star level. If he keeps doing this for the rest of his career, that's great. That That's just outstanding. I think he's going to do better. I think he's going to do better. Yes. You've seen it because what he did last year, you know, okay, so it's a, a weird 60-game season. That was eye-opening where he's almost got a 500 OBP as a 21-year-old. You know, Bryce Harper had this going on for a long time where you would look and you would expect him to be 30. And he's like, you know, 22, 20, like he's always younger than you expect. Like Juan Soto, I don't know what the Nationals do, what they put in the water in their minor league system. But, it, you know, it's like you look and you expect Soto to be, come on, he's got to be 27 by now, right? And he's, no, he's like a college kid. Yeah, because he was up hitting homers at like 18, like 19. Like He's going to be a fun one to watch, especially when he gets hot and when he gets like locked in and dialed in. He has every every tool, and he has like one of the highest hand-eye coordinations, athleticisms I've ever seen. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.
I know why Fernando Tatis wasn't in there. With his shoulder, you don't want him taking any more swings than he has to, any more violent swings than he has to. Guerrero, you know, he's he's done his, his part in the derby. Who were you missing last night? Anyone? Or were you just like, there's so much fun that, you know, I like the eight players. You can pick eight out of 25 and you'll have a, a good time. There's a lot of players that I want to see in the home run derby. I love the home run derby so much. Like Schwarber, I want to see in the home run derby because I feel like he hits the ball so far. It's like kind of like the left-handed Pete Alonso. I want to see Gallo again and Olsen as well. You know, I think you learned something. Gallo's a, a high-energy guy, and if you can get him to calm down, I know he had, like, so much adrenaline, but I've seen Gallo go on tears where when he gets locked in, that's uh, spectacular. So I want to see Schwarber. I want to see Guerrero Jr. again. I obviously would like to see Tatis. There's so many fun ones, but I think Schwarber is the first one that comes to mind. What were your thoughts about when uh, Madison Bumgarner was like, oh, put me in there, put me in there? Was it him that said that? I, I think people were saying that, not him. Okay. I do know that Madison Bumgarner hit the most impressive BPs I have ever seen. Really? I mean, that it's not just like uh, for a pitcher. You don't have to add that as an addendum. I mean, I think it should be for hitters. At the time, though, because like Bumgarner can hit in a game, but I think there's a difference. And as far as BP goes, like Michael Morris was one of the best I've ever seen in BP homers and just hitting, like, because it's so fun to see how far you can hit him. Bumgarner went farther than everybody, and he would do it over and over and over again, like consistently. Do you think there would ever be room for, do you think uh, teams would allow it uh, for like a pitcher home run derby? Like, I, d I don't know how it would work if you just have a, a four pitchers, if you get guys like Wainwright and, and Bumgarner out there. It seems like it'd be a lot of fun, but it seems like the risk might be overshadowing the reward. We want to watch the best hitters hit. It's a different competition. I'm sure we could actually probably go and find someone who just like trains for only hitting homers and BP and probably get some of them to beat a lot of major leaguers because it's a t completely different skill than hitting major league pitching. It's like the long drivers in, in golf, you know? They exactly. You can get some long drivers that can go out and drive the best golfers, but that doesn't make them a better golfer. So I do think that you it's a different it's a different skill hitting homers in BP versus hitting homers in the game. And once again, like I said, that's why I think Otani isn't hitting BP every day, saving energy, but also a lot of times like Bryce Harper, I, I, I'd heard a lot of rumors when he won his MVP, he didn't hit any, any BP on the field. You can just get in the zone that there was rumors that Manny Ramirez didn't do it very often. I know Buster doesn't like to do it all that often because it, it messes up your timing sometimes. Yeah, Andrew Bagley just released a Q&A with Buster Posey, and it, it talked about that, how what he doesn't like is getting warm at like 4.30, 5 o'clock. You're up, you're warm, you've got your, you know, you got, and then you cool down. And then you get into a game, and he just hates the timing of batting practice. And that was the big reason. It's not that he doesn't want to take batting practice. He'd rather take it uh, under the tunnel before the game. One of the weird things, Grant, throughout my career that I started to notice, because I was a guy that took a lot of hacks in the cage. I loved hitting. I would hit, 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 hit. Besides Pablo Sandoval, every one of the best hitters I've ever seen hit the least. Carlos Lee, just start going from the start. Bagwell was very down on hitting too much. Chase Utley, just the, he did like 10 swings off the tee, little BP, and then that was it. Like that was the only extra stuff. And he would get there so early that he didn't even want anyone to see him. He wanted no one. It was just him and the tee. Ryan Howard. Howard every now and then would, would go and get after it. Buster Posey, very little. So Pablo, I think, was the one guy who hit the most of anyone. But I just kind of noticed that all of the best hitters, Berkman especially, and Carlos Lee. 
I'm going to ask the weirdest question that you have no idea what's coming. You're, you're not going to expect this. I don't know why my brain thought of it. But for some reason, I'm fascinated that one of your first managers was Cecil Cooper. Just, you know, like a, I grew up with Cecil Cooper. It's just like, oh, my God, he's, he's so awesome. Did he ever like I don't remember how old he was, but did he ever like step in the cage as a manager just for fun and, and get some shiggles? No, no, I never, I never saw him hit. <laughs> and I, I mean, you just looked at his numbers and you were just like, oh my gosh. And he was one of those guys that I think was just so good at hitting that he couldn't understand how he couldn't get the job done. Like he was just like, <laughs> how can you not get a man? Just get a man. And you're like, I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I didn't get a man. I wanted to. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. One more great product from LinkedIn. You're there to network, you're there to look for jobs, you're there to post jobs, and how about LinkedIn Sales Navigator? It's a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash baseball show. That is linkedin.com slash baseball show for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash baseball show and get started. You actually, uh, you're there in Denver for a reason. You participated in the Celebrity All-Star Softball Challenge, and it sounds like you had an experience. I don't know if you've described it as fun to me. Was it fun? Was it? Are you happy you did it? It was so fun. It was the oh, best awesome. time ever. I'm so embarrassed and disappointed in my play, and I got completely trashed by all my friends. My text messages were not good. But you know what? <laughs> I worked really hard, and I'm just to be healthy enough to play. So I had, I didn't get a single, that was my first swing in a year. No excuse, these are excuses. Tons of excuses coming your way. Oh, that's but fine. Let me talk about how fun it was. They put it like, they, once again, they had like DJ, they had music, but the people and all of the people that I met, like Jojo Siwa is one of the most, like sweetest humans, one of the most positive energies, one of the coolest people to be around. And I know a lot of the MLB is like, who are these TikTokers? We don't know these TikTokers. But guess what? Like. They are really cool people that like, you know, the, the, they're trying to get more youth into baseball. So if you get to know them, a lot of them are just like amazing, fun people. And like the fact that we had Steve Aoki and, and like, like I said, Jojo Siwa, we had Captain America. We had just, it was, I don't even know how to explain it, but it, we were all just having fun. I could sit my eight-year-old daughter down and do a PowerPoint presentation of why it's cool that I get to talk to Hunter Pence uh, every week. You know, I can I can put up your stats, I can put up highlights, and I can say, you know, when you were at this game, he did this, and she'll go, okay, you know, that's pretty cool, that's pretty cool. But when I show her a picture of you and Jojo Siwa together, and I say, see that? That guy's the guy I'm talking to tomorrow. He's talking to Jojo Siwa right now. Isn't that cool? She flips. Like, you scored me some dad points on that one. I understand it, and I, I feel like she was the, one of the coolest people I've ever met. Steve Aoki as well. So many of these. DK Metcalf, super cool. Charles Melton Grant is the most handsome, the most swaggy, the most stylish, nicest person. I was next to him on the on the line, and I was like, 
my wife absolutely loves you. And he's like, let's take a picture. Let's get a picture. You want me to, you want me to FaceTime her? <laughs> so we're like on the line, you know, getting ready for the game. And he like takes a picture with me and just like, I didn't realize this, but I got invited. Aoki's like inviting everyone to the concert. There was a concert like right after the game. And we're like, yeah, I'm going to go get food. And then, yeah, we'll be there. And we find out that like, it was right after. So like, they're all like, crowd surfing and rapping on the stage and we're like we miss being on stage with steve aoki (laughs) that's cool so i mean it just sounds like a good vibe so you go there and you know how do i put this it seems to me just from the outside that you would have the potential to just kill people in a softball game like if you're going full bore like it'd be like me going out there and playing against seven-year-olds in little league like it just i would have to just tone it down so i'm not hurting seven-year-olds is it like that or is it you know is it is the level of competition above what i'm thinking like you're just going out there and being hunter pence if i like really hit one on the ground hard right at the left side and there was like you know someone who's not played that much baseball one of my teammates uh, didn't know you know I don't want to like bash anyone, but they, you're super proud that they're out there. But like he was playing second base and he just stood on second base and we were like, you got to stand over here. And he was like, I'm playing second base. And we're like, yeah, yeah, you stand over here. <laughs> you know, me and Jenny. Oh, got it. There's a chance, but I honestly, they, you have kind of a dead bat. The bat's really dead. And I mean, not awesome, but yeah, I probably should have practiced before I went, but I just didn't have an opportunity so that I could make sure I got lift and uh, not hitting a grounder. And my first one, I hit a grounder. So the second one, I was like, I cannot hit another grounder and I ended up popping it out to the catcher. Yeah, very embarrassing. I fell down as well and really ripped up. My, my leg is like gnarly bad. I'm like, come on. But like honestly, the experience of meeting all of these amazing, amazing people and coming out and playing the game that we love. And like I said, watching some of them, like the ultimate fighter, like crush this double. It was funny. He's super just like macho man, you know, just awesome swag. And I feel like he's never even picked up a bat before and just just like, I got this, just boom, just blast the line drive. And he slides into third and I'm, I'm like third base coach and I tell him, I go, hey, dude, you crushed that ball. And he's like, I don't know if you're kidding. <laughs> like he was like serious because <laughs> he didn't hit it over the fence. But uh, no, it was it was cool to watch them just like pick up the game really well. It's so funny because, you know, I played baseball all growing up. I stopped playing when I was a teenager. I grew up just every day in the summer. It was be you go down to the park and you would play baseball. That's what I did every day throughout the summer. But you get to a certain age and you realize, like, diving for a fly ball, I did it in February of this year. It killed me. Like, for three days, it was like, why did I dive for, you know, my daughter's friend hit a fly ball? The same thing with sliding. Like, I'm supposed to teach my my team to slide when I'm coaching softball. And, like, I run and try and show off a slide, and it's like, wait a second. This is like, it's not like riding a bike. This is like riding a unicycle. Even when you're out of the game for just one year, you get those vibes, too? Well, like, let's say you're, when you're playing every day, you have proper gear. You have sliding shorts on. You have, you know, like a a thing for your knee. I was wearing shorts and like, they don't even give you spikes or tell you, like, I didn't look at where the bases were. So when I hit the ball, I was just like in my, like, almost like the unconscious, like I wasn't even thinking. And I look over and I'm like already halfway past the bag and I try to stop, no spikes on, just straight skirt. I put it in my stories, the, uh, the raspberry I got, it's one of the gnarliest ones I've ever had. It's gnarlier than anyone I ever had playing the game and I wasn't even trying to run hard or do anything. It's just I had no spikes and no sliding shorts. Go slide on some concrete dirt with just your bare skin. It's, it doesn't feel good. So I'm in, I'm in, I'm in some trouble, Grant. It's, it's not the same. No, no, but you, overall your experience has been positive this whole weekend. It's just, you, you, it seems like you're just vibing with the whole all-star experience. 
absolutely incredible except for adam wainwright texting me how bad i am at softball last night <laughs> and he was like hey can you get me in and i was like dude you got another 10 years left of pitching you're still doing good man but i'll i'll do my best to get you in is he the main one that's giving you giving you guff is it do you got a couple of them all of my friends any ones that our listeners would know or is it just uh, personal friends mainly personal friends and adam wainwright and, <laughs> and honestly the uh Pam Bear, the, the president of the Giants, uh, why got me? <laughs> Just try. I mean, it's. I always would watch the celebrity softball game growing up. There would always be a couple people I could key in on. Like I remember Ricky Henderson did one once. It just seems like a, a fun, fun time. But I didn't know that there were some folks who, you know, had less experience than maybe you might expect, like uh, celebrities who didn't. I thought it was always like celebrities who would, you know, at least had like some base level of like, you know, you played softball, baseball for X number of years. Sounds like that's not always the case. Yeah, and you know what? I want to give some major props. Let me make sure I get this guy's name right. Karamo from Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, just the most amazing human. He comes out there, and he's the one. He's, I don't think he's ever played baseball. It Literally, every ball goes to him. He misses it with the glove, misses it with the glove. He comes over, and he asks me. He's like, hey, if I can catch it better with my hands, can I drop the glove? And I'm like, yeah, whatever you can catch it with, do it. He tries that, doesn't work, doesn't work. He has this horrendous first inning. And he comes back and it's the second inning and they're going, hey, you got to go out there and pitch. And he's like, I can't handle this anymore. It's too much. He's getting booed. Like, you know, and honestly, our whole team was getting booed. I was getting booed every time because I'm in Colorado and I'm in a Giants jersey, you know, like they're booed. And then the same people are like asking for a selfie after. I booed you, but hey, man, can I get a picture? So bless him. He goes out. They talk him into pitching. First ball pop up to him, misses it again. And it's just like, you're like, you feel bad for him. And he keeps going. He keeps going. He ends up in the fourth inning. They had this skit where I had to fake three balls in a row, and, he, and he's, a, he's a motivational speaker. He's a positive guy. He's a positive attitude guy. So throw these three balls, and he comes up, and he's like, I am awesome. I am incredible. I can do anything. So I was repeating after him. I come up. I start throwing the pitches. I give up a homer. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, but, but the next guy I come up, I, I'm, I'm throwing it up there, and he catches the fly ball. So he finally catches one at third, and to me that was the ultimate victory that this guy – getting booed on a baseball field not ever playing didn't necessarily know where the position was and you know he's coming and joining our sport and we want to welcome these people to our sport we want more people to come and play and this is a great human that does great things for other people so i celebrate standing there and joining our world and taking it on the chin basically and still going and then figured it out and caught a ball so to me that was the one of the biggest wins and i like was going nuts as the pitcher and like no one else was celebrating as much but it's like he caught it he <laughs> caught it there are like nightmares that i have in my head but that's like that is so bold to go out there and just like yeah you know i'll, I'll try it so like I give a million bonus points for that because I would be scared as hell to be out there with, you know, and I have experience. I'm not good, but I have experience. You know, I know how to catch a ball. At the same time, I you couldn't pay me to go out there. It'd be too terrifying. It and was he's out so there much adrenaline. It's a packed stadium booing him. <laughs> and he did it. Give this man some props. Show him some love. Baseball family. It's not easy. One of my buddies, Sam Miller, uh, when he was writing for ESPN, he wrote a piece about if you could be in the major leagues, meaning, you know, a normal person reading this, and you would just be terrible. If you could do it for a year, would you do it? And he listed all the reasons why, no, you shouldn't do it. You would look like an idiot. You would be booed constantly. It would not be fun. And there were always people like, no, 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 I think I'd do it. I think that would be fun. You know, and he's saying, you get the salary. You get the major league salary. But for a year, you have to be 
clearly worse, exponentially worse than everyone on the field. His argument was, no, you wouldn't do that. And that's, I believe that. You would have to really, first of all, one of the worst feelings in the world is to be a part of a team that's working, like every little thing you do is working to, you know, make the playoffs, to win, to, and like, if you're going out there and you're hindering that, you're not contributing to that, not only is it like the criticism of the media, the city, the, like, but like your teammates, like letting teammates, you do not want to let your teammates down. Like that is painful. It's all about being a good teammate. And like, you don't want to like be out there if you're not helping win, like you got to come with it. it. That's the hardest thing is like, cause every energy and effort is into winning every single day and to making the playoffs. So like, it's definitely not a place you want to be in where like, let's say you get a huge contract or something and you're not able to perform or you're hurt or like something goes wrong and you're just off. Sometimes emotional things can really throw you off. It is a dark hole. It's tough to get out of for, you know, that's why you got to be so prepared. You got to be so mentally tough. You got to be able to handle criticism and you got to be able to handle failure. People always ask because I'm a writer, they'll say, hey, you know, what do you want to do? Like, do you want what are your career aspirations? And my answer is basically this, like, you know, I don't want to have a bestseller. I don't want to be Stephen King. I don't want to be someone that people know. I don't want to be famous except for two things. I would love to be famous enough to be in the MLB All-Star Game or the Celebrity Softball Challenge. Right. And I would like to be on an episode of Hot Ones. What is Hot Ones? Hot Ones is a YouTube, uh, I think, that you know, it's on different formats, but it's like a YouTube show where it's a guy, an excellent interviewer, and he gets, you know, the biggest of the big stars, and he has a progression of chicken wings that go from oh spicy. Oh my God, you want to be on that? The Hot Ones? Yeah, spicy to just like, they're crying and they're telling you like, well, you know, here's what happened to me in my childhood, because they can't stop, like their brain isn't functioning because they're in so much pain. I really want to try that. I don't know. Are you a hot sauce guy? Heck no. I, I We used to do that <laughs> when I was with the Astros with Carlos Lee, where it'd be like the first person who makes an air has to have a spoonful of the hot sauce we got from whatever the, the, the... So we had this like crazy hot hot sauce that like ruined the rest of your next two days. Your taste buds are gone. It is not fun. You did not want to miss a ground ball. It sucked. Hell no. That's the first person to make an air in, so in a game or in a, like what were, what were the rules? It was like spring training. We're hitting grounders, and they're hitting them hot at you, just getting ready, just to just to add some flair and sizzle. And we're just like all like so like because you can get mundane spring training. You're getting used to your you know whatever. So we're just like, all right, first person to make an air has to take the hot sauce, and they're just like pelting these like line drive short hops, and you're just like, and we're all like, oh no, and you're like diving to try to catch the ricochet. Like it's intense. So it's just to add some sizzle to the early morning work. Oh, I love that. I love that. I wish, I mean, that's the sort of thing, like, I wish I had, like, they would hand out a flyer to people who get to the ballpark, a ballpark early and be like, here are the stakes, you know, so you could be on the sidelines and going like, oh, that guy's got the hot sauce. So we're talking like a hot sauce that really put hair in your chest. This hot sauce messed up your next two days. You weren't tasting anything. You were going to sweat. Your, uh, <laughs> your number twos weren't going to be very fun. It was, it was not fun. It was, it, it was definitely a two day struggle bus. It was really bad. And I'm telling you, you may think you want that, but it, after you do it, you're going to be like, why did I want this? There's a, a fried chicken place, a Nashville hot chicken place in Los Angeles. Have I told this story on this podcast? I have so many podcasts that I can't remember. I don't think you have. Okay, so it's called Howlin' Rays, and it's got a line around the block. And when you see a line that's around the block, it's like, well, I got to stand in this line and try this food. So you get there. And the, one of the reasons the line moves so slowly is that they have different levels of heat. And when you say, I want hot, they'll say, okay. 
Here's what hot is. And they'll like try and talk you down. They'll try and talk you down to medium. And if you get the hottest one, which is howling, they say, okay, let's be prepared. It's a two day experience. This will just ruin you for two days. It's, you know, are, are you working? Like they will actively with the line around the corner, they're trying to talk you out of their signature dish. I mean, and it's smart. You want to give them a heads up because, you know, <laughs> it's like danger. If you proceed, this is what's going to happen because sometimes people will take it and be like, you didn't tell me. So you have to tell them. You, oh, they yeah. have to really be ready. I wanted to say, because you brought up, like I do and I don't want to be a part of this one game show. If we're, if we're talking about the game shows we want to be on, with the one that I've really enjoyed and I think would be interesting is Big Brother. Okay. Okay. You know, just kind of hanging out. Well, you would bring positivity to that. It's like, I think they would like, you'd be a good cast member in some ways, but in some ways, like... Oh, I'm definitely not winning. I'm out soon, for sure. (laughs) Because like, either they do good in a competition or like too nice or, you know, you you got, you have to be really good at manipulating. Like there's a game called... Game of Thrones. There's a game called, yeah, there's a game called Among Us or whatever, where like you have to be really good at lying and manipulating. And I am not good at any of those or keeping secrets i'm not open book and i'm just like what you see is what you get i'm just me and so like i'm definitely out of that game but it would still be fun because the little competitions seem awesome and i I also think it'd be cool just to be disconnected from tv and internet in the real world except for those people that did it from 2019 to 2020 yeah that appeals to me when i was growing up i was always just desperate to be on double dare just all I wanted was Double Dare. I just wanted to run through slime for a golden ring or something like that. That, that was all I wanted to do. American Ninja Warrior is another fun one, if you like all that. <laughs> or Wipeout or something. There's some great game shows out there. <laughs> all right. Well, you. it sounds like you had fun uh, in Denver. Uh, I loved hearing these stories. I mean, it, it, it just sounds like a blast. So uh, congratulations to you for getting to do that. that that's just hella cool. I appreciate it, Grant. I am a really lucky, lucky guy, and I I had a blast. I hope I get another chance to do it, because the next time, I'm not going to just be working on getting healthy, because I've finally gotten my hip healthy. I am going to be practiced and ready to hit it in the air and over the fence. I just want to hit a celebrity softball home run. You're going to kill him. All right. Well, this has been episode 16 of the Baseball Barista with Hunter Pence and Grant Brisby, presented by Tops. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week, and we'll we'll talk about baseball, because that's what we do. Thanks so much. I love coffee! <laughs>